Hello, dental online trainers. This is Dr. Dennis Hartley. Welcome to another episode of DOT Sharecast. Sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversation. Well, hello again, dental online trainers, and welcome back to our little virtual get together. I like to call DOT's Sharecast. My guest with me today, through this convenience of modern technology and you know, COVID be damned, we're here, uh-huh. all the way from California, uh, my, uh, my consultant and my good friend, Jerry Gottlieb. Uh, this is Jerry's second appearance with us, and if you did not hear my first interview or first meeting with Jerry, it was absolutely riveting, uh, <laughs> so you need to go and watch that uh, and listen and listen to what Jerry and I spoke about. But for those of you who were not able to see that or haven't seen that, uh, let me give you a little background on what we talked about last time. First, let me tell you a little bit about Jerry. So Jerry's from the Pacific Northwest. She's from Seattle, right? So that's, uh, yep. that's sort of, and she's a, she's a big Seattle Seahawks fan. Oh, hey, don't hold that against me now. No, Come on. No. She, used, <laughs> she used to party and hang out with Kurt Cobain. Um, and she, <laughs> well, well, maybe not. But she is from Seattle area. I am. Um, and now she's moved to California, and you are in Palm Springs, California. Correct. Correct? Right, because she wanted to see the sunshine. I did, all the time. All right, Jerry's background, as I remember from our conversation, she was, uh, she's serendipitously into dentistry. She was in retail, and she got hijacked out of retail by a dentist who said, you are too good for retail. You need to be in dentistry because we need people like you, right? <laughs> Something like that. Right. And then she, she quickly climbed our dental corporate ladder. Everyone knows our dental corporate ladder. You start out as a hygienist or a dental assistant, and then you go sort of work the front desk, and then you go up to office manager. So she, she zoomed up this corporate ladder, and she became an office manager. And I believe you've office managed for two or three practices in your career. Is that correct? Um, or more. Yeah. Serial. She's a serial manager. manager. I started off as a treatment coordinator and then worked, you know, treatment coordinated in a few different practices um, and then specialties and then into practice management. She's worked with ACT Consulting and she is married to a periodontist, Bob Gottlieb, and she has some adult kids. Uh, So do you include Bob as one of your adult kids? I'm not sure where we left off on that. Sometimes, Sometimes. Yeah, sometimes a little bit. And uh, currently, she is on Zoom meeting after Zoom meeting and other, um, uh, other offerings, uh, offering up her information uh, that she has about consulting and leadership. She does that in between her power walks out in the California sun, I think, right? <laughs> yes, which now have to be much earlier and earlier in the day because it is much hotter uh, yeah. currently. We're in the hundreds. Yeah, we're, we're not even half of that in Chicago area, so, but it'll get here. Yeah. All right, so um, the reason um, that I got to know Jerry, Jerry's been a practice consultant working with me and my, my partner, Chris Ching, in our practice for over a year now, mm-hmm. um, and we thought we were done with her, and then COVID hit. Well, that's not true. We were nowhere near done with uh, Jerry, but COVID did um, give us a little, little kick in the tuchus, as we say, a little Yiddish for you, a little kick yeah. in the behind. Um, and so today's uh, Surecast, our meeting with Jerry today, is what I think is one of the biggest things to come out of COVID from a dental practice perspective, mm-hmm. and that is leadership. Yeah. And so today's meeting is going to be all about leadership. Um, 
and I'm going to speak about some of my lack of leadership that I've uh, gone through. Yeah. So we're going to talk about leadership. I'm going to talk about some of the struggles that I've, I've had in leadership over 30 years. Um, in fact, you know, this is funny. Um, I just went to my little library, and this is not all of them because a lot of my books are in the office, but these are the ones that are laying around the house. Yeah. Um, and I got some more upstairs that I didn't, and I, this was one handful of leadership books. Also, in our last meeting, what you might want to go back and listen to is we briefly discussed data and systems. We talked about management and how management's a little different than leadership. But today, I really want us to sort of hone in and zero in on leadership. Jerry, before we start, I was just reading this last night, The Ideal Team oh. Player. And there's a line in here that I wanted to uh, ask you about and sort of okay. for you to um, just sort of continue on. So um, if no one has read any of Patrick uh, Lencioni's books, um, there, he, he tells a fable, he gives a story, and then there's lessons to be learned about that. And in this particular story, there's some employee challenges. And this gets to leadership, but I, this one part, and there's a conversation between uh, the, the new CEO and his leadership team. And the, the CEO, Jeff, he says, they're, they're talking about bad apples in the practice or bad apples in the business, employees who don't fit corporate, your, your culture. And he says, yeah, think about it, Jeff explained, the most unhappy people in a company are the ones who don't fit the culture and they're allowed to stay. They know they don't belong. Deep down inside, they don't want to be there. They're miserable. And this is about the employee, but it's really more about the leadership. Yeah. Because we, as anyone who's a business owner, we've all, we, we've all been there. We have team members who are a poor fit for the culture and for the organization, and yet we do nothing about it. So Jerry, take us on this path. Talk, uh, talk to us about, this is one aspect of leadership, but I wanted to start out with that. T talk to me a little bit about what you see with this. Um, well, that's a pretty loaded question, Dennis. <laughs> um, what I will say is this, when you have not clearly defined, going back to the leadership piece, going back to the advantage, and we talked about the book that we start with, The Advantage. When you have not clearly defined and communicated what your culture is supposed to be, what you are striving for, what is the vision, and then what are the core values that you as a team have to operate, the how, how are we gonna to get to the vision? Um, it's hard to hold someone to a culture that you haven't defined. That's interesting. So when you are working with dental practices, how often do you find that the culture is not very clearly defined? Almost every time. Surprisingly, almost every time. Now, my, my husband challenged me at, at one point. He said, Can't, why do you need Dr. Hartlieb to tell you his culture? Good question. Can't you go into the practice and observe and watch and see what the culture is? That's a great question. And I said, well, Yes, of course I can. It doesn't take long for, to be an observer and see kind of what's going on there. And what he means by that and what I mean by that is not the culture you necessarily want or desire or wish you had, 
but the culture that accidentally exists because you haven't defined what it should be. So almost like an accidental culture versus an intentional culture. Correct. Yeah. Hmm. What's harder still is even when maybe that practice has done the work of defining the culture, but they did that with a, an existing set of team members. And so those team members were not necessarily hired in or onboarded in to a standard and culture that is intentional. And so, but now they're hearing of this culture that the, that the doctor or the practice owner wants. But that one isn't what they signed up for. Number two, if you were to maybe re-interview that person based on this is actually, I haven't practiced the way I wanted to or the culture of the practice hasn't been the way I wanted to, but now I want it to be this. I want it to be the Disneyland of all practices. Well, if you've got, you know, grumpy over here, you know, she or he, he or she might be like, well, I... I have zero desire to work at Disneyland. Hmm. Right. Right. Now flipping that, one of the, I think maybe what you're getting to, Dennis, as well, is that sometimes, and not sometimes, almost all the time, I will see a team member, whether it be an assistant, a hygienist, or administrative team member who has really, really good skills. Clinical skills or skills for treating patients or whatever. Correct, but they don't fit the culture. They're not, they're not Disneyland, they're grumpy. But we allow it because the other skills are so strong and we think we can't do without those. Not understanding how destructive that is over time. It, I think in my experience, it's been the, uh, the, fear of, the fear of the known versus the fear of the unknown. For sure. Right. right. The and, devil, the devil we know versus the devil we don't. And the, and the stresses of having to find the new team person to replace that team person, given that they're doing a good job for their task or their assignments, yes. right? Whatever that is. Yep. And you sort of put off and say, well, yeah, she's, she's kind of a, you know, she's a, she's a pain in the butt and yeah. we're all going to sort of deal with her because she does A, B, and C really well. Correct. Right. Yep. How do we get over that? So how does a dentist who, and we've had lots of conversations about this. I want to be doing dentistry. That's what I love to do. That's yep. what my hands are supposed to do. And so when you have to take me out of that, um, that's my reluctance to want to go and do some of this other stuff. So let's, let's talk about that. So give me, a, give, what's the question there? So the question is, let's say I have a dental assistant who clinically is really good but she's just not nice to patients. Now, fortunately, I don't have that situation, but I have had that situation. Yeah. But I know she can get the rooms turned over. I know she's, uh, she knows the materials. I know it's going to be a smooth operation. I just have to apologize for her a lot to the patients. And so now I have to go and say, look, you're not a cultural fit to our practice because we expect you to be nice to people. You're, it's just not what you want to be doing, right? We have conversations. Right. We're not seeing any improvement. So now we have to make this difficult decision. And the other yep. staff sees it, right? The other staff are apologizing for her also and saying, oh, well, that's just, that's just Joanne. That's just how she is. Yeah. Right? Right. Well, the quickest way to basically, what, what, what's, what, what happens if you take a bruised apple and put it in a bin with 
healthy, beautiful, shiny apples. Yep. They all go rotten, right? Does, does the bruised apple become shiny and beautiful? Yeah, not at all. No, because the other way. That's the same exact thing that happens on a team. If you want to demotivate and devalue a team, go ahead and tolerate the bad behavior or behavior that's and or um, and tolerate this uh, someone on your team that doesn't fit the culture or doesn't fit the values that you want to have. And that's because people say if she can get away with it or he or she can get away with it, then why am I being held to this level if they don't have to be held to that level? Is that the bottom line? I think that's the bottom line. Whether that's spoken or unspoken I, or even consciously thought about or not, you do start to get like, well, you get frustrated. You get frustrated if you're the shiny apple and you're trying your best and you want to be the Disneyland of, of the practice. If you want all those things and you're working at that and someone else isn't and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And yet we get talked to about where we have our shortcomings or these other standards, but we still are seeing that there's a tolerance over here. We just think, why bother? You know, and again, in this book, The Ideal Team Player, they, um, he points out that commonly what happens is the good players will leave the team yep. because they get tired of the bad players not being, or the bad players being accepted. And they, it makes their job harder. They're working Correct. harder to make up for them, right? Correct. And so they say, adios, I'm out of here. And then you hire new people who are influenced by the bad, bad apples Yes. And then your culture is shifting because yes. the new people you're hiring are now influenced by the people who stuck around instead of getting rid of the bad apple. Correct. Yeah, yeah. That's a real challenge. I think that happens all the time. Yep. All the time. Um, all the time. In almost every practice, unless you, boy, in almost every practice, there's usually one. Yep. Sometimes yep. there's a couple, mm-hmm. right? And when you think about the laws of influence or how we are influenced, um, I, I'm hard-pressed to find the source at the moment, but they, and, if, and who taught me this principle, but thinking about you have about a certain percentage of employees that, that want to be great and are happy and are you know, energetic and want, want to work well and want to feel good about the work that they do. And you have a certain percentage that's on the other side of the fence that nothing's ever going to be right. Nothing's ever going to be good enough. Um, And I call those still people. They still complaining, still Mm. not happy enough, still not making enough money, still Mm. not fulfilled enough, still, still, still. And then there's the people on the fence that are sometimes, sometimes they're over here and sometimes they're over here, but it's just like the apple analogy. If you are on the fence, you would hope and think, right? We would think that this happy side the disney side is where you're going to want to fall to but what what the brain and what neuroscience all of those things show us is that we actually are more easily pulled to the negative side oh interesting Hmm. than the positive side Hmm. i also see this when you allow that team member to stay on the team and in some cases it's a leader Right, oh. it's your office manager or your, you know, clinical, sure. whatever it is. But they're a leader in the office, and maybe even unintentionally, they're a leader because, again, that attitude is going to sort of set the precedence for yeah. everything what's yeah. allowed there. The really great employees are what could be really great people that want to learn and grow. Will start to, to, to dip down, right? They because they're really oppressed or you know get suppressed their creativity. Yep. Yeah. 
when I watch a, a owner, a doctor finally realize I actually can't keep this in the practice anymore. I don't care how good the skills are mm -hmm. because we can train skill, right? right? You hear this, everybody knows this, hire for attitude, train for skill, right? right? right. When that person is released to a different future yep. or to a different place, yep. it's amazing to watch other team members all of a sudden rise up and flourish. Yeah. That's interesting. I've seen that in my own practice. I, I agree with that hundred percent. Yeah. My husband uh, just had went through that very same thing a 25 year clinical lead assistant that he thought he could not do surgery without. Yes. She's a this. Yes. She's yes. She's emotionally low intelligence. Yes. She fusses with the team all the time. Yes. We have to have this same conversation with her about how to behave and how to engage and how to talk. Um, but she's so good here. I, I don't know if I could, do that. Finally, his team actually came to him. I don't advise this per se, but they did come to him with an ultimatum, which was, you can keep her and we'll all free up our futures to go somewhere else. And, that, if that, and that's okay. They weren't angry about it. It's like, this is where we're at. Right. Or you can make a change. It's funny. It takes that to, to force a, a leader, an owner, to to recognize what they already know and and then to act on it right correct but i think that's not uncommon right i think that no. it may not be that uh, that visible but i think very commonly you have people on your team that are coming to you over and over like why are you putting up with this crap yeah. like why do we have to deal with this yeah and we you know and we just we play it off right right because it's hard right yep. it it goes back to the very thing that you and I talk about so much and what you've talked about. What most of you don't want to have to deal with is this whole leadership piece and yeah. managing a team. And yeah. oh, why? I just want to do the dentistry. Yeah. Yep. But yep. unfortunately, there's this other side and you have to deal with it. It's interesting. One of the things you hear in dentistry is that we're, um, we're fast to hire and slow to fire. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard that, right? Well, yeah. I, was talk, I was talking to a, a good buddy of mine, an old college roommate who's in corporate management. And he said, it's not just dentistry. He said, this is everywhere, yeah. right? It is hard to replace because of the fear of the unknown, right? Who you're yeah. going to, and the process to get there. So it made me feel better because it's like, oh, this is, this is, you know, this, I'm, you know, I'm a dentist and because I'm a dentist, I'm, you know, I'm going to be a bad leader because we're dentists or whatever. But he said, no, this is, he said, this is throughout, throughout management. This is an issue. Yep. We're, we're, we're quick to hire. We're slow to fire um, pretty universally. So that, that made me feel a little bit better hearing that. Right. And we need to be reversed, right? I, I want you to yep. be slower to hire and so clear. And even then we're not guaranteed. Right. That the person that we're hiring, no matter what process we have gone through to be clear on our culture, clear on the values, clear on the expectations, that we're hiring a right fit. Right. I don't know that, if you know this about Zappos. You know Zappos? They're the yeah. online shoe company bought by Amazon. Yeah. So one of the cultural things Zappos does, and I think it's after 90 days that the employee's with them, and they yeah. give the opportunity for the, for the employee to go away. They will give them a check. Yes. Right? And they can take the check and leave, or they, mm -hmm. can take the, or they can rip up the check and stay with the corporation. But it's sort of like a decision tree. You know, how much do you want to be part of our culture, right? Yeah. And 
So, because you don't know what's, what's going on in someone's head, right? They could be acting it for 90 days. They could be playing the role, but inside they might be like thinking, oh, this is just a bunch of crap, you know, yeah. but I'm getting a paycheck. Yeah. Um, but that is one way they have found that it's helpful to help those who aren't, prob- aren't a good fit for the culture yeah. to move on, to find a place that they can be a better fit for that culture. And I, I've always thought that's a good thing. We've never done that, but I've always thought that's a, that's a good, interesting way to sort of shake it out and rattle, rattle it a little bit. Right. Absolutely. Ritz-Carlton, I think Four Seasons, they have a very similar process as well mm. um, of bringing back in and saying, no harm, no foul. Here's, here's a check. Here's a, a, a letter. You know, if, if A, you're not a right fit for this culture, or you've just, you know, we're not a fit for you, and or B, you're not willing to work on some of the things that we see or can and, can observe, you know, that can be approved, improved upon, behavioral things that can be improved upon and trained. One of the things I wanted to talk about today, the first book that you had Chris and I read, uh, getting back to Patrick Lencioni, 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 I don't, I'm not Italian, is a book that you just referenced, The Advantage. Yeah. And in the book, he talks about that it is not about the, um, not a, about having an advantage of technique, not having an advantage of a material. Talk to us about what he uh, describes in the book as the advantage. Right, when we were talking about, right, the, our, I don't know if we talked about this on the last one, about why that book was stuck out to me among, like, you know, you held up your library this morning and I have, you know, my, as you know, my library of leadership books is vast and I add to them all the time every day. But the advantage stuck out to me very, very differently because the, the approach is the competitive advantage is a healthy culture and a healthy team, the behavioral side, especially, and it doesn't, it's corporate, whether it's dentistry, it totally struck me after 28 years in dentistry, I was like, yes. This piece right here, this is the piece that's missing. You're, you're all exceptionally smart. You wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be dentist. We all can talk about strategy. We can talk about marketing. We can talk about finances. We can talk, we, you know, all of those things make sense, right, that have to be in place. But if they don't have the foundation of a healthy culture, of a behaviorally healthy team and leadership, the rest of this stuff actually doesn't matter because businesses, whether it's dentistry or otherwise, don't go out of business because they're not smart. Say that again. They don't go out of business because they're not smart. They go out of business more because they're not healthy. Mm. I think you can recognize it. Don't you think you can walk into a business where that is culturally healthy, yeah. right? I mean, you can just walk in and you can, you can, you can actually feel it almost, correct? Don't yes. you think? Oh, absolutely. And I think the more we learn about it, like for you, maybe, maybe a year or so ago, you might have been able to recognize it. And on some levels, you were like, yeah, like if, especially if you walk into, say, a Ritz-Carlton or, mm-hmm. or whatever. And ever, nobody misunderstand. They all have their issues also, which is why they have a culture and core values and how they guide people, how they hire people and how they fire people. So a year or so ago, right, you could understand, you could maybe walk in and sort of feel that. 
Yes. Maybe you didn't put your finger on it. Like you're not quite sure what's going on here, but you can tell it's not quite whatever. And then you can walk into somewhere else and be like, oh my goodness, you know, what's different here and not necessarily put words to it. But when you start to pay attention to it and you start to do this work yourself and dig it into what you want your own culture to be, and then you walk into places, you're like, wow. So I don't want to put you on the spot, but when you... <laughs> but you're going to? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. So, so when you're working with a practice, so I want to get some uh, useful take-home um, things that dentists who are watching this or listening to this, that yeah. they can take home and start doing. So part of it is creating your corporate culture, right? Yeah. How do you, how do you create your corporate culture? What is the first thing or what's the beginning in the process of creating a corporate culture? Well, the very first thing is you need to know number one, why you're doing what you're doing. Well, what that's easy. Want? I, want to, I want to help people, right? Isn't that a common thing? I, I'm, a, I'm a people person. I want to help people. Great. Well, dig a little deeper. Tell okay. me why. Where does that come from? How do you think you're helping them, right? Dig down into that. And then what is the vision? If you could create, if you could just, so doctors out there, if you're just sitting around thinking, wow, if I could show up to my practice tomorrow, and it could feel like and be like anything I wanted it to be. What would that look like? Right? What is the vision for your practice, for your dentistry, for your life, for your team, for your whatever? And get clear on that. Clear on where you're headed. Clear on why you're doing it. Then you start to ask, how are we going to get there? Mm. If my vision is to be like Disneyland, what needs to be in place culturally, value-wise? What, what are the stepping stones that every day we're going to measure against, every day we're going to make our decisions against to get us to that or keep us at that if you're already there? I think a lot of dentists have difficulty first narrowing down what is their sort of, why are they doing what they're doing? Why are they a dentist? Right? For sure. You know, and I had to dig really deep for mine um, because I was very superficial and you, you helped me work through this. And ultimately for me, what I realized my, my reason for doing dentistry, my why um, is about dignity. And I grew up with parents who had really poor dental health. Yeah. And I would watch them not be able to have comfortable partial dentures um, and be very self, um, you know, uh, not self-confident, whatever, what's the opposite of that? They're, you know. Self-conscious. Self-conscious, thank you. Mm -hmm. um, and I saw when my mom was treated by one of my professors at, at dental school, at Michigan Dental School, that it was almost like she became this, uh, this better version of herself, right? Yes. And, and as I dug deep into it, for me, I realized it's about giving, for me, for me, um, is about giving people dignity, right? That they can be who they truly um, are inside. And where I've, where I've really felt this is when I treat teenagers, a, a patient group that I never thought I would ever want to treat, but I do a lot of cosmetic work on kids who have peg laterals, missing laterals, malformed teeth. And boy, 
you, you know, we've all experienced this. We've seen how people, how they've changed through the um, being able to give them a smile that they are comfortable and proud of. Right. And I think it deep down for them, it's about dignity that they can go out and they can smile. They can be themselves. They don't have to hide their face or hide their, their, their mouth when they're, when they're talking and laughing. And it took me a long time to dig down that deep and, yeah. and had to pull off these layers but it helps so much when I consider treatment with patients yeah. and where I'm having challenges, it makes me think about, Dennis, am I, am I stepping on, on this, this, this belief of mine when I'm trying to get them, maybe their dignity is just about filling in a space and their dignity is not about how the teeth look, mm -hmm. right? Maybe that's something about them that their parents lost their teeth. They're not really caring about how it looks, but to them, their dignity is that they have that tooth replaced yeah. because that was an issue for their parents. And me taking my, my objectives out of it and understanding dignity for people is different. It could be cosmetic, but it could be functional or it could be you know, some other thing that I may not completely understand, but understand it's making them fulfilled and making them have the dignity that they, that they desire. And yeah. so that helps me when, I, when I'm wrestling with treatment that patient wants that may not be along the lines of what I was thinking. Right, and, and so a couple of things on that too, Dennis, and I remember when we, when we dug into that and you used that word dignity for the first time and I was like, oh, right, yes. Now, everybody's why can be different, so there's no judgment on whatever your why is. Then what we did right from dignity is then now what is, so that's your why, right? And that dignity for the patient, for, for giving someone, and, and even for your team. And then we took it like, okay, so then if, if that's your why, what is the vision for the practice? What is the practice supposed to look like if, my, if I were here to give dignity back or to people who maybe don't have it? Um, you know, to, to do the level and type of dentistry that you want to do that gives people back their dignity. What does the practice look like yep. that does mm -hmm. that, that does that? What does that practice look like that does that? Well, it looks like this. Great. So how are we going to make it every day look like this? Well, every day we're going to have to adhere to what are, what are some values? What are some things that have to be in place every single day for every single one of us in every decision that we make in order for us to get to that vision so that we can give people dignity. So once you get through your core value and you're crystal clear and it's not some fluff and that's hard. And I tell you, it's yes. been, it's been helpful because I did it previously, but that was uh, without the help of a coach, right? Who's going to make you dig deeper, um, get through the fluff. So our dentists um, who are viewing this, they, they can settle in on their core value. All right, this is, this is what it means to me. This is my why. Then we start talking about like operational core values, right? Yeah. Practice core values. Would that be the next thing for them to, uh, to concentrate on? Um, getting, so say that again, Dennis. So after you have your why, yeah. you, do, you do out your why. Then do you go to, and I'm just trying to remember, do you go then into the mission statement or sort of like the belief system of the practice? Or is that part of your core values? Or what is the next step for the dentist to take after they've sort of developed their why? What is the next step? So it's, it's the vision. 
piece, the what does this practice need to look like in order for me to do that? Now, sometimes I find, especially in the advantage, I find if people are struggling to verbalize or come to the vision or even the why, I will flip it and say, well, maybe you can answer a few key questions that help to formulate core values. And that might then lead you to be able to articulate the vision. Can you give us those key questions? Yes, those key questions are from the advantage. We start with, I'm gonna find my page here. Why do we exist? So that's the why. Like what, what my why is this, and then why do why do we as a practice exist? Right. Okay. This is not, I'm not we, this can just be like we exist to bring people dignity. Mm-hmm. That simple, right? So so why we exist is you can't it wouldn't be appropriate to say we exist to do dentistry for our for our patients. Is that too superficial? Do you have to dig down deeper into why that's we too super, exist? it's too superficial. Right. And this is, this is like, as Patrick Lencioni defines it, it is the organization or the practice's core purpose beyond making money. Ah, so making money is fine, but it's totally. beyond, I mean, yeah, making money is important. Yeah. So we're not here. We know we're, we're in business to make money. Correct. Right. That's, that's, that, we are that, a for-profit business. Okay. Yeah. But what is, what is our why? What yeah. is our why? What's our corporate? And is that the corporate why then? If that's the, if that's a leader's why, is that the corporate why then? I think your individual why, can, if you, especially if you have a partner, but even for your practice, your individual why is going to be different than every person on your team. Yep. 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 Right? We all have a why for what we do. Your why drives the, the bigger purpose, the vision, the what, what we do here for your practice. Okay. So it's yep. definitely a part of it, but it your can... why is more individual to you. Got it. That makes this sense. This is your practice. Okay. Right? This is their practice. Okay. So number one is again, why do we exist? Why do we exist corporately? Why do we exist? Yeah. As a business. Okay. Why do we exist as um, how do we behave? And this is where, this is the tough one because this is where the core values come into place. So as Patrick puts it here, the limits of diversity that can exist within an an organization or uh, let's call it a practice, the core values that all employees must share to thrive. So when you go back to culture, um, so for me at, at GG Practice Coaching and Development, for example, you know, my why is one thing and my vision for my business is tied to that why, but the way I want to get to my why and serve my why is going to be this, right? I want it to be this certain size. I want it to feel this certain way. I want it to, I want to engage in the world a certain way. And then defining how are we going to do that? I put, you know, growth and development is a core value. That means myself and anybody on my team better absolutely love learning, growing, and being challenged to be better and think differently all the time. Right? It's going to look like going to continuing education. It's going to look like reading books and listening to podcasts. It's going to look like honing our skills at what we do. Right? That's, the, that's a way that we behave. We're going to serve first. 
So the behavior, the way we're going to behave is based on the core values yep. that the dentist or the leadership team has defined for the practice. Correct. Correct. Now, the one thing that I learned from that that I think was super valuable for me um, as, a, as an owner, uh, for me personally, letting somebody into their next opportunity, i.e. firing them, yeah. was always difficult for me until I understood that it wasn't about me and that person. It was about that person's values and the practice core values. Yeah. And then it made it so easy. It's like your values, the way you, the way you behave, the, 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 um, your behaviors that you're demonstrating are not in line with our core values. Right. And so we have many times had conversations with team members who, are, who have strayed. And quite honestly, I have to make sure that I'm following those core values, right? That I'm following those same beliefs. 100%. 100%. But I, um, it, that was a lot of work. It has taken us a long time in our practice to work through our core values. And we've had to redo our core values to make them even more clear. And we're still working on them. And we've been doing this for a year yep. as we've sort of been digging through everything else that we have to do. Right. Because it's really easy to, especially early on, because this is not the work that you all love to do, right? Tell me how much fun you had with this. And I don't enjoy it. Right. But we have, you have to be willing, right, to do yes. this work. Otherwise, you're going to continue to get, if you're frustrated with your practice or you're frustrated with your team, you're going to continue to have that. And certainly, we're never going to be perfect. But when you're able to have conversations that aren't about you, Dennis, and me, Jerry, but they're about the core values and the work that we're doing here, those conversations are much easier to have and they're choice, right? It's choices. I get a choice, you get a choice, but this is how we're going to do it here. Yeah. It's okay if you don't want to, but this work is hard and it's easy to get, stay on the surface. So it's, you hear things, people's core values like integrity. You got to have integrity. You got to be um, nice. You got to what? It's like, really? fun. we want it to be fun. We want it to be fun. Well, what does that mean? What does that look like? So when I, I, right, so you hear a lot of us, I'm not, this is not novel to me or Patrick Lencioni to say like, what are your core values? Let's define those. Let's define your vision. But these core values have to be true and actionable and defined by you, by the business. So because what I might think is fun might be very, very different than what you think is fun. So if I just put there, so because this is one of my core values for GG Practice Coaching and Consulting is that we will have fun. What does that mean? Ping pong tables and foosball tables. And no, no, that's not what it means for me. But if I don't define that and I just leave it there, then I'm like bringing in ping pong tables and foosball tables and my team is going, what are you doing? Or vice versa, right? right? It's, it's that's more your expectation. Right? That's so they're big. thinking, I'm going to bring in a foosball table and I'm going to, we're going to do this. And I'm thinking, seriously, this is where you put your energy? Like, we got this to do over here. And they're like, but you said fun. Right. I said it's supposed to be fun. This is my definition of fun. That's why it has to be defined. It has to be defined by you. Not what the Webster's Dictionary says, not the whatever. What does we will have fun mean to you? And then what does it look like when you're doing it? What does and it one, feel like? 
And one of the things that, that we learned was that we need the team to sign off on these. They have to say, yeah. yes, our values are in line with the, with the corporate values, with the office values. Because yeah. once they sign off on that, then people are accountable to those values. Correct. Right? Correct. So, and that's been a really, that's been an important learning thing for me is that process is creating the values, um, defining the values, and then having people sign off on those values. Do you buy into this or not? Because if you don't, then you're not going to be a good fit for us because right. these, then you're going to be unhappy. And so are we Yeah. Yep. going for, I've had that. So I had, well, not too long ago, it was actually super refreshing. I had a team that, you know, had been practicing for a good 10 plus years or more, the doctor, right? And he'd never done that. He'd never, he talked about it. He would talk about things like, I want it to look like this, or we are going to be like this, or we're about this. But he'd never really dug down into this work that I made like all of you do. And then he did, and he got really clear and defined what he meant by the things that he said all the time. And for some people who had been with him even for a long 10 years were like, oh, whoa, I'd never, that's not how I thought about it at all. Mm. Mm. And even one gal that was newer, a hygienist that he had hired, who he thought was going to be a rock star in his practice. And she was smart and fun, fun and young and, and energetic and all of these things that she took all of it, digested it for a while and said, First of all, thank you. Thank you so much for clarifying that. I actually had no idea that that's what you were looking for. <laughs> and so, so no wonder we were clashing from time to time because I would think I was doing it, but I wasn't. But what I've also come to realize is I actually don't want that. Oh. She's like, yeah. I don't actually want to be that invested. I don't want to, I, I want to, I went into hygiene to have an easier, you know, career and to make good money and work part-time. And so it's, it's not, I, it's, I realize I'm not a fit for you and you're not going to be a fit for me. There was no hard feelings. There was no whatever. I mean, it was like, okay, now, you know, disappointing that he has to find another, I just, but it was so great, right? She, she had no idea. What, and then why were they clashing? against these ideas and things because he that had never been clearly defined what it meant to him yeah interesting uh tell me number three number three is what do we do so we now for us that's the easier in dentistry what, what do we do do dentistry we do dentistry what does that mean right because maybe because what, how you do dentistry dennis is definitely different than how the person on the other side of you know around the corner is doing dentistry so we do dentistry what do we do we do dentistry we take care of people we you know this is basic simple this is what we do a b and c a lot of people say well we do you know we do great dentistry or we do excellent dentistry do you right i mean so <laughs> no. how would you and how would anybody know right and so you know you know, we, we looked at terms like precision or precise. Yes. Right. Um, we talk about engagement and things like that. So again, trying to stay away from the fluff yep. and dig in deeper because, you know, superfluous words like excellent, what that means to me and what that means to somebody else 
But when you start talking about precision, now, now we're now we're dialing in a little bit, right? And that that was that's it was difficult. This is going through this process of defining the core values is really challenging because you got you have to get to the true essence and not the not the superficial stuff, and that's really tough. Well, and absolutely, it is tough. It's hard. It was hard for me. It's hard for me as a business, and I coach this, right? Um, and I think the other thing is we make the mistake of, and because we in, we have made the mistake of that our vision and our core values are meant for the public. This is what we're telling other people that we do. This is what we're telling other people that we are. Are you? Right? So we've put mission statements and vision statements and core value statements out into the world on our websites. And we don't actually pay attention to them, live them, not, we don't even talk about them. We made them because some stupid consultant made us do this assignment sure. or some coach. And so we did it. And I don't know, it's just been, I haven't looked at it forever. Sure. This is different. What makes this very different is this is internal. Now I might at some point, right, you might have some of this on your website, mm-hmm. as do I, mm-hmm. but it's, defined a little bit differently and it's it better be being lived out for me all of this is internal so that every conversation that we need to have whether it's about performance improvement whether it's about are we going to paint the walls or not um the type of equipment we're going to buy the 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 way we're going to engage when there's conflict in the in the practice or we can't decide on something or you know the front thinks the back is this and the back thinks the front is this is that this these core values and the vision is about how we are going to talk to each other and what we are going to hold each other to every single day in our practice it's not a it's not a flowery statement so that's why the digging deep what does it look like what does it mean I think what I didn't uh, what I didn't believe is that uh, the team members need they they need structure, right? They need to understand the boundaries, right? And so yeah. I was I was always afraid of having sort of these um, these behavioral boundaries and stuff like that. But we need that culturally, uh, and absolutely. without it, right? People are just doing this or doing that and doing that. And next thing you know, you have you know, a business where who knows what you're going to expect when someone walks in. Absolutely. Again, because we all define things from our own interpretation, our own background, our own upbringing, our own, all of those things. So even a word as simple as fun, right? As we gave an example, means something totally different. Line 10 of us up and we're going to say something different. Yep, exactly. So you've got to be clear about what it means for you. Then the next piece is how will we succeed? That's when we're going to look at the smart side, right? So we're going to take these core values and combine it now with strategy. What are those strategic smart side things that we're going to do and how, and, and make sure that they are in alignment with our core values. So that's where policies and systems come in. That's where strategic things that we're going to decide to do like marketing or not to market and how we're going to market. How are we going to define who our ideal patients are that we want to treat? How are we going to engage uh, in the community? How are we going to um, handle our finances? How are we going to control our overhead? What are the metrics we're going to be looking at? Some of these things that we talked about before. That's the strategic pieces. But we're not going to do either one of these separately and, and 
succeed the way that we probably want to. I think most businesses just go right to how will we succeed without having the groundwork done to make sure that the vision is clear, the values are, are, you know, are, are accepted yes. for getting into how we're going to succeed, right? Everyone just jumps into that. Absolutely, because that's what you've been taught. That's what yeah. you know. I think one of the most important things that I want to reiterate to you and every other dentist and, and business owner out there, especially in dentistry, is that this stuff is hard. This is hard. It sounds like it's the soft stuff, but this is actually the hard stuff. Yep. The other pieces, how am I going to do the dentistry? What equipment am I going to buy? All of those things, those are actually easier for you all to do. That's what you went to school for. But then we put this expectation on you of here, here's a loan, open a practice, have some humans in there. Good luck. Right. And that's what, we, that's what we find. Right. Exactly. Um, and, and it's just, these are the, these two pieces have to go together. Um, that's why when I talking back about, I don't cookie cutter coach. Yeah. I always start with this foundational piece. This has got to be really clear for me to coach you even on the rest of it. Mm -hmm. Because if I just tell you, this is the systems that you need to have. This is how those systems need to look. This is how you should do all of your financial arrangements. This is the type of equipment you should buy. All those things I would never coach you on, uh, the equipment. Um, this is this. Why? And or you might try doing them for a while, but then, then what? Right. They were my ideas. Right. They were my way. Yep. They weren't the way that fit. What are the core values of this practice? Yep. And if the core values are to bring dignity and move people forward to health and restore dignity so that they can be confident and be out in the world, and I'm just using that as an example, that's your why. But I never used an interval camera or I never did anything that helped to show them differences, right? But if you just said that that was your true vision, your core values were aligned with bringing people dignity then we could talk, then we can have conversation about interoral cameras and right. the use of them and why you would use them. You can have that conversation with your team when they're pushing back, when the hygienist is like, yeah, I just don't have time. I don't have time to pull out the interoral camera. I don't, you know, it just gets in my way and I, I barely have time to floss and do all that stuff for everybody. But we're here to restore dignity. Right. And if we're not moving people forward and one of the things that moves people forward we know is visual, then... Right, so that's why the, the foundational piece is the, the harder work, softer skills, and then the strategic side, the how are we gonna succeed? What are the smart things that we need to have in place and do by all means? Right. This, this is fantastic. You know, we, uh, I, I wanna sort of close it up, but one of the things we keep coming back to is the why. Why are we, you know, what's, and that, uh, one of the one of the best books that I've read on business is Simon Sinek's book, Start With Why. Yes. And it seems to me the two books that are hand in hand is for, for young dentists or any dentist who's sort of struggled uh, with um, the, uh, the culture in their practice is maybe start with those two books. Start With Why with Simon Sinek, which is really interesting and really had me think things differently. Yeah. Um, maybe we can talk about that next time. Yeah. Um, and then the advantage, which I think sort of layers into that really nicely. Yeah. And it seems like those two complement each other. 
And I think they were very instrumental for me. And, and I had been practicing a long time. Yeah. And, um, and I still needed to learn how to make a culture healthy. And we are still working at it. So I don't, wanna, I don't want anyone out there to think, oh, Dr. Harley's practice is going to be this awesome. We're still working on it. You know, yeah. We still have team members that we're trying to understand how, what their motivations are and, and are their values aligned with our values. And maybe we need to find, find they need to find a better home for their, for their values. And so we yeah. still struggle with this, but at least we are more clear and we are, um, and we are narrowing in on our, our target. And so I would, I would encourage the dentists that are out there and dental students to pick up the advantage, to pick up Start With Why. And that's a good la- launching pad, I think, for that, uh, for that information. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Especially the students. Like if you, if you could start your practices or going into practice pretty clear on why you want to do it, what, what is important to you, and then the vision that you have for that practice, and maybe some what, what you know behaviorally values you're going to need to have in place. Whew, almost every other decision that you have to make about your business and practice is going to be so much easier. And it's way easier to do it before the train is already full speed ahead. No doubt right? about it. This, hard, this work is even harder when I'm making you pull back. Exactly. The full speed engine that's running. Yep. And when you're super busy running the practice, right? Yeah. You don't have time to address all of this stuff all of the time, which is why during this time, I'm making you all sort of dig back in again yep. and, and frustrate you again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're appreciative. <laughs> so. Jerry, I can't thank you enough. Uh, again, the, uh, I call this the DOT ShareCast. Uh, and I can't thank you enough for sharing with us. Uh, yeah, my very pleasure. Generous. And we, um, and I can't say we all do. There are some who, who are, are really good at sort of leadership. And I have some, one colleague in particular is an orthodontist. And boy, I, I have not been in his practice, but I know what his practice is like. Because he's yeah. very clear. He's yeah. very clear about the, the culture of his practice and his, his why. Um, I don't need to go in it. Because um, I know him and I, and I know what he stands for. He just, he speaks volumes on it, right? Right. And then you probably see the work actually right. come out of it because you, you, you work in tandem with him a right. lot and you see it. So it's all in alignment. Yep. He's and he's in alignment. Right. So, uh, so, but thank you. I, I, I hope that the, and I know that the dentists out there are going to find this super valuable. Uh, we're going to be having many sessions with Jerry because we have so many layers to peel back on this onion. Um, and, but I did think that talking about where do we start uh, you know, start with why, and what is your why, and then the advantage of the cultural health, you know, the, the, the health of your practice, and why it's so important that you have that why, and you start to develop these core values so that we can start making decisions that's going to make our practice healthier, so that, so that we are ultimately happier. And that's yeah. the bound, right? So all of us in the team are, are happy, because so often I think we struggle because there's this inconsistencies and this uh, maybe just we, some misunderstanding of what are our values. Yep. And I think that's how, we, that's how we get ourselves to our, our, our individual and our, and our uh, practice happiness. Absolutely. At least fulfillment, right? Because it's not easy. None, some, some days are easier than others, but this is not easy. This work is not easy. The dentistry is not easy. Managing a team is not easy. All yep. of it, but it can be super 
way more rewarding and fun than I think it is for many of us when we're unclear. I can't thank you enough. Uh, I look forward to us having our next conversation. Um, until then, stay healthy and stay safe. You too. Enjoy your sunshine out there in California. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm not out in it too much because of, uh, I'm on this a lot, but I thank you so much. I'm happy to be here and not cold. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll look forward to speaking to you next time. Until next time, DOTers, it's uh, great having you. And we look forward to seeing you at our next ShareCast. Until then, we'll see you next time. Yours for better dentistry and for better health. Thank you. Bye now.